Hola and welcome to today's edition of Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pirsch. Thank you so much for joining me this Wednesday evening. Coming up in today's broadcast, we'll be talking about bullying at schools. But first, as usual, we begin with some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. So do stay tuned. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. And in your headlines this Wednesday evening, we bring you insights from Pope Francis' sixth apostolic trip to Latin America. Congolese Catholic leaders praise protesters. And Morocco pins hopes on 2026 World Cup bid. Good evening once again. I'm Sheila Pirish. Pope Francis is in Latin America for his sixth apostolic trip to that continent. Nosy Pochadebe filed this report. Pope Francis celebrated his first Mass in Chile yesterday in the country's second largest public park. According to local authorities, some 500,000 faithful attended the Mass. The Holy Father took as his starting point the words from the Gospel for the votive Mass for peace and justice which introduces Christ's Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus saw the crowds. The Holy Father went on to say God's profound love is awakened not by ideas or concepts, but by faces, by persons. Christopher Wells reports. It is this encounter with people, the Pope said, that led to the proclamation of the Beatitudes, that horizon towards which we are all called and challenged to set out. The Beatitudes are born of a merciful heart, that never loses hope. Pope Francis said that Jesus comes to cast out the inertia of those who no longer have faith in the transforming power of God the Father and in their brothers and sisters. With the Beatitudes, he said, Jesus tells us, Blessed are you who work for reconciliation. The Pope said the Beatitude, Blessed are the peacemakers, asks us to make ever greater room for the spirit of reconciliation in our midst. The papal spokesman, Greg Burke, has announced that Pope Francis met privately yesterday with six victims of sexual abuse committed by priests in Chile. Burke said the Holy Father saw the victims of the aposto- at the Apostolic Nunciature in a strictly private meeting, and they were able to share their sufferings with Pope Francis, who listened to them and prayed and cried with them. The Pope's visit to Chile has been marked by protests, including some from groups who allege a bishop appointed by the Pope covered up acts of sexual abuse committed by an influential Chilean priest. During a speech to Chile's civic authorities and diplomats yesterday, the pontiff expressed his sorrow and asked forgiveness for the church for the cases of abuse against minors. Later, Pope Francis met with Chile's bishops and reminded them of the importance of living out their priestly fatherhood united in mission with their people. He warned the bishops that they are not immune to individualistic temptation, particularly in the form of clericalism, 
the narrow view of the church as only an elite of consecrated men and women, priests and bishops. He said the mission belongs to the entire church and not to the individual priest or bishop. Moving on to African news, the African Union ambassador to the United States, Arikana Chihombori Kwau, told VOA News that African leaders are furious at derogatory remarks on immigrants from the continent and Haiti attributed to President Donald Trump. She said she expects more formal action and diplomatic protests, including a possible boycott by African ambassadors of the President's State of the Union address to Congress. VOA's Diplomatic correspondent Cindy Sain reports from the State Department. Amid an ongoing backlash at home and abroad to remarks multiple sources say the president made about what kind of immigrants he would prefer, the president was asked by a reporter if he wants more immigrants from Norway. From everywhere. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders acknowledged that the president used tough language during his meeting with lawmakers about an immigration deal and said that is part of his appeal. I think that's one of the reasons the American people love him. One of the reasons that he won uh, and is sitting in the Oval Office today is because he isn't a scripted robot. He's somebody who tells things uh, like they are sometimes, and sometimes he does use tough language. In the aftermath of the remarks, Botswana, Ghana, Haiti, Namibia, Senegal, and the African Union have lodged formal diplomatic protest. The African Union ambassador to the United States, Arikana Chihambori Kwa, told VOA, negative remarks about Africa and the Trump administration's America First policy are a stumbling block to a traditionally very close relationship between the U.S. and the African continent. It's a wound that's going to leave a very deep scar. And uh, that's troubling for me uh, in the sense that I'm here to ensure, promote uh, good relationships between the U.S. and Africa. Comments of that nature make it an uphill battle to try and uh, continue to uh, solidify that relationship. State Department spokesperson Heather Nauert said relations are still strong. We have a deep respect uh, for people uh, from the African continent. We have strong partnerships with the nearly 50 countries on the African continent. Um, I will say this, which I say about other countries as well, our relationships with countries are deeper than any one alleged comment. Nauert said Secretary of State Tillerson looks forward to traveling to Africa early this year. Ambassador Chihambori Kwao said Tillerson will be welcomed with open arms. According to VOA News reports, a Roman Catholic priest is in custody for allegedly having had sexual relations with a teenage boy. The priest based at Ndonga Catholic Parish was arrested yesterday morning together with the boy, following suspicions by residents who have been monitoring his movements. Frank Mashaira reports. From the pulpit to a police station, that is the situation that the 36-year-old parish priest has found himself in villagers gathering in small groups to discuss a man whom they say they have been suspecting for a long time that his teachings do not match his actions. A Buddha Buddha operator is said to have transported the duo to the parish headquarters last night before villagers descended on the house asking the priest to open the door. 
The priest was apprehended and is currently in police custody. Catholic faithful in the area have accused the priest of tarnishing the name of their church, calling upon their Muranga Diocese Bishop Maria Wainaina to excommunicate the suspect once proven guilty. Staying with news from Kenya, Kenyan opposition leader Raila Odinga has defiantly vowed to inaugurate himself as the people's president at the end of January if there is no dialogue beforehand with President Uhuru Kenyatta. In an exclusive television interview yesterday with VOA, Odinga said the opposition is seeking a dialogue with Kenyatta's ruling Jubilee Party of Kenya. He said it wants to discuss five points with the Kenyan president, electoral justice, judicial independence, police reforms, devolution of power and restructuring the executive in the constitution. Kenyatta has hinted at but not yet agreed to dialogue. Kenya was plunged into political crisis after last year's presidential elections, which saw an initial poll voided by the Supreme Court and a second round in October boycotted by Odinga and his supporters. Catholic leaders in the Democratic Republic of Congo say they have gained heroes at the memorial held for the protesters who were killed last month while demonstrating against the presidency of Joseph Kabila. Nosipo Khadebe has more. The Catholic leaders in the Democratic Republic of Congo say they have gained heroes. During the demonstration on New Year's, six people were killed and more than 120 were arrested. The country's Catholic and Protestant leaders had called for peaceful marches to protest the continued presidency of Kabila. He has been Congo's president since 2001, but failed to step down at the end of his constitutionally limited two terms in power in 2016. Many of the president's opponents believe that Kabila has no intention of leaving his position of power, despite the calls for his resignation. And according to the World Health Organization, WHO, the current outbreak of cholera in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, DRC, is worsening, with almost twice as many suspected cases reported in 2017 compared to the previous year. 10,000 people have been left homeless after recent flooding, and this situation has significantly increased the risk of cholera spreading. WHO has deployed eight technical experts to help with data gathering and is also supporting local partners to provide basic health services. Fadila Chayib is the WHO spokesperson. The DRC is in a very serious uh, humanitarian crisis with many aspects of health. Uh, there is a cholera outbreak recently. It's the most severe outbreak since '94. And we are also saying that the recent floods have significantly increased the risk of more spread of cholera in the capital, Kinshasa, and around the country. The rainy season will continue until June and can exacerbate the cholera situation. Between November last year and this week, we have more than 500 suspected cholera cases, including 33 deaths in Kinshasa only. So the situation is bad, and in Kinshasa, with a population of more than 12 million people with poor water and sanitation, we are expecting that the cholera outbreak will have a very heavy toll on the Democratic Republic of Congo. You mentioned the flooding. Can you tell me exactly why this flooding has such a big consequence on living conditions? Yes, because it means that there is a lack of clean water that the sanitation situation will worsen 
10,000 people are homeless, so they will gather in places where they don't have access to clean water and sanitation. And um, cholera is not an airborne disease. It's a disease of poverty. It's a disease of the environment when it is not clean and where people lack access to clean water and sanitation. So there is a risk that the rainy season continuing until June this year, people will lack access to water, to sanitation. The living condition will be worsening and cholera will spread more easily when the hygiene conditions are not met. Could you tell me what measures can be taken to prevent the spread of cholera in DRC? WHO sent a team of technical experts, epidemiologists, lab specialists, communication logistics to help the country gather the data. It's very important to know the extent of the outbreak. And what is important also is to put in place health equipment, antibiotic, IV fluids, tablets to chlorine water, and also provision of clean water. And what WHO is looking now is really to work with the health authorities to disseminate uh, health messages to the population about hygiene and how to avoid cholera. Cholera is not a serious disease when it is taken early and people are treated. And what WHO is looking also is to prepare uh, for an oral cholera vaccination campaign targeting vulnerable population in Kinshasa. So we are trying to map up all the districts that will need a vaccination. And WHO has also sent equipment for people, not only for cholera, but also for malaria. In this outbreak that DRC is currently experiencing, could you compare 2016 and 2017 in regard to cases and number of deaths? Yes. In 2017, WHO has recorded 55,000 suspected cases of cholera and 1,190 deaths across 22 out of 26 provinces in the Democratic Republic of Congo. This is almost the double of the number of cases reported a year before, I mean in 2016. So the situation is not improving in DRC from a year to another. Cholera is still around in this country. And not just around, but getting a whole lot worse. Yeah, even in places where we were not recording any case of cholera. And in other news, countries across the world need to display greater unity and courage to tackle deepening crises and new dangers. That's the sobering message from UN Chief Antonio Guterres outlining to the General Assembly in New York his key areas of concern for the year ahead. The Secretary General highlighted 12 major concerns and one imperative, namely the empowerment of women everywhere. In fundamental ways... The world has gone in reverse. Conflicts have deepened and new dangers have emerged. Global anxieties about nuclear weapons are the highest since the Cold War. And climate change is moving faster than we are. Inequalities are growing. We see horrific violations of human rights and nationalism, racism and xenophobia are on the rise. And to me, these are all indications that we need greater unity and courage. Unity and courage to meet today's most urgent needs, to ease the fears of the people we serve and to set the world on track towards a better future. And finally, Morocco has surprised everyone with its last-minute bid to organize the 2026 World Cup. 
Africa has hosted the Football World Biggest Showpiece only once in 2010 when South Africa held the event. 2026 will be the first expanded World Cup with 48 countries participating. The man in charge of African football, Ahmad Ahmad, has given the country his full backing. And that was a look at some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. Thank you once again for joining me this Wednesday evening. You're listening to Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Shayla Pirsch for Radio Veritas. Coming up next is our feature program, and today we're talking about bullying in schools. Welcome back to our feature program. Bullying in schools is a global phenomenon that has the potential to impact on children, not only physically, but also psychologically. In South Africa, countless children fall victim to bullying, harassment and abuse at schools. A myriad of constitutional rights are infringed upon when bullying occurs and the problem is escalating. Bullying is defined by the Department of Education and Skills guidelines as unwanted negative behavior, verbal, psychological or physical, conducted by an individual or group against another person or persons, and which is repeated over time. Placing a once-off offensive or hurtful public message, image or statement on a social network site or other public forum where that message, image or statement can be viewed and or repeated by other people is also regarded as bullying behavior. Bullying can occur at any age, in any environment, and can be long or short term. As learners head back to school today, both teachers and parents are urged to communicate, for parents to have a closer relationship with their children. I spoke to Mary Hyam about bullying in schools. Well, sadly it is a big reality, and you're so right. It has changed its face. Um, I think it's it's become less able, less um, less visible. I think with the um, introduction of cyberbullying now, so many children have access to cell phones and so on. And I think children are just living in a world that is not as kind as it used to be. They're seeing things modeled to them on TV shows and so on where it's smart to say a mean thing about somebody and everybody laughs at it, often things that maybe as children we were taught that weren't kind and were something to walk away from now become something that's quite cool and something to aspire to. And for me, that's, that's quite a big challenge with the modern children. But now, bearing in mind that we all know that there is bullying, even though today, for example, as I took my child to school and as I was passing different classrooms out here, teachers saying no bullying allowed in this classroom or in this school at all, we're still going to be faced with that reality that bullying will still continue to exist. How do parents educate their children to stand up to bullying? Because parents will not be there at school to protect the children the whole time. And how does one educate children to stand up to such, uh, such abuse? Um, I think it's extremely important that, first of all, children feel that they can trust the adults in their lives and that the adults 
take any complaints seriously and report them if they're concerned about them and to give children skills to build our children's self-esteem and to give them the language to stand up to people who are being unkind, mean, and bullying them. So as they know that, and say in a very strong, stiff voice, I will not put up with it, leave me alone. Um, and also to teach them not to try and not go to places where they'll be on their own, where because the bullies will never be where the teachers are. They will always find a little spot, obviously the bathrooms or on the way to the classroom, perhaps when there's changeover of class when there's no teacher in the classroom. And unfortunately, these things do happen in the school. The teachers aren't always in all places at all times. So it's about our children knowing what is and isn't acceptable, being able to verbalize that to others, and then having the courage to report it if children are giving them a hard time and, and bullying them. So in other words, it's quite important for children and parents to have a very good communication. Absolutely. And I think for parents to, as I said, build their children's self-esteem so that they feel good about themselves. So if somebody's continually telling them, you're a loser, um, all the awful sort of language and names that they use, that they can hopefully believe that that is not true. It's just that other child's opinion of them. And it takes a lot of maturity to understand that and to to take that on board. Um, Teachers also need to learn to be very intuitive and to be sort of child watchers, to really be available, to be out on the playgrounds, to be watching behaviors, to be aware of current trends, um, to be asking open-ended questions to build up trust in the classroom that will enable children to feel that they can say what is going on. I mean, in the LO lessons and in Catholic schools in the RE lessons, that we also can um, build scenarios and get children to do role-play and so on. So as we build up that sense of trust and to get a very strong message that there is zero tolerance for bullying in the school and that every complaint and every report will be taken seriously and will be followed up. And then to reassure the children that they're not being triple tattles and that they, they won't be, it won't be held against them that they've come to say what's going on. And I believe that it's hugely important that the bystanders realize that if they don't support the child who's being bullied, they actually are implicit in the bullying themselves. So you try to promote a climate in the school where every child believes they have the responsibility to stamp it out. And it's hard work. It's not what the world is promoting out there. So the teachers also need a lot of support and a lot of training and workshops they're also given the skills to cope with these situations. And now, once a child has laid claims, once a child has reported to the school teachers that, listen, I'm being bullied by so-and-so, what happens next? What are the steps taken? Um, Well, first of all, it needs to 
be believed and taken seriously. And depending on, on the nature of what has been reported, the teacher, and usually it's then passed on to management because the teacher's in a classroom and so on. So somebody from management would listen to, to the complainant's side of the story and then ask the other child to come in, listen to that side of the story, and then have both children there together and just try and find out what has gone on. So as you start to, the children start to understand each other and see how it is for each other. Um, the restorative approach is very helpful, and that also is when you have all of the children together. So as you start to, they tell their story, and then you can often see Sometimes there's a misunderstanding between the children, and you can iron that out. Sometimes it goes a little bit deeper than that, and it will take several sessions. And usually the most helpful way is for both the bully and, and the victim to be part of the process. If you just work with one of the, the children, the success isn't so great, I don't believe. Well, schools do have their codes of conduct, so obviously... Um, then disciplinary measures begin to be put in place. Those children can then be removed from certain social situations. Um, they can be they always are then referred for some kind of counselling because somebody who's behaving like that does have problems usually of their own. Um, we work collaboratively with the family as well and usually it's important then to involve a counsellor, and the school needs to give a very, very strong message that this is not acceptable, and if that behaviour does not change, that child will not be allowed to be in certain situations, or if he or she is, will be very, very closely monitored at all times. And it's important to involve the parents as well in that, in the restoration.